Hi there, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. On this show, I interview people from all over the world, anyone from professional custodians all the way up to presidential candidates of other countries. One day, my big bodacious dream is to interview the top leadership, either currently uh, top working or uh, retired from the position from the country that I was born in, the land of the free, the home of the brave, the United States of America. Sometimes I also speak on spirit-led topics that I believe the creator of the universe inspires me to talk about that are relevant, that can help you if you're struggling through a tough season, or maybe if you have clinical uh, diagnosed depression like I do, um, we can work through our diagnoses. Um, There are things that we can do medicinally, there are things that we can do uh, naturally to empower ourselves to find happiness from within, and that is the goal of this show, to help give you some nuggets, maybe remind you of some truths that you already know about, or if you're just recently being diagnosed, introduce you to some overcoming barrier stories to remind you that no matter what you're going through, don't give up, keep going. We promise tomorrow will be better if we're going through a tough season. So I'm in the middle of a workout, mind you, and the creator is like, I want you to pause your music. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna pause my music, what's up? And the creator is like, the topic today, I want you to speak on hypocrisy. And uh, first and foremost, I am not perfect. None of us humans are. When I speak on topics, it is not pre-planned. This is just something that is impromptu that the creator of the universe is like, I really want you to talk about this topic. So keep that in mind as I am not planning this out. I'm completely trusting that the creator will give me exactly what um, needs to be said in order to help encourage you, in order to help remind you of the truths that you might already know but have forgotten about, or introduce you to some truths that you did not know about. So what is hypocrisy? Well, to be a hypocrite is to tell someone to do something and then you don't do it yourself. Um, I learned about it at a very young age, and I'm trying to remember the approximate age that I first heard about it. I might have heard about it maybe like eight or nine years old. Um, I am the baby of a family of five with two older boy siblings, and I learned about a lot of the language growing up through listening to (laughs) arguments. (laughs) Um, I didn't speak for a long, long time. I said a little bit, a couple of words here and there, but I was pretty much mute um, for a long time. A lot of abuse in my childhood upbringing. And hypocrisy, to me, when I remember hearing about it, was maybe in a Sunday school lesson. And at that time, eight or nine years old, we were going, we were attending Life Center Church in Tacoma, Washington. There's a few life centers. This was their main campus. Um, At that time, I think they just had the one campus, um, kind of in the northern part of Tacoma. And they had this thing called Super Church, which was for the kids. It was a moderately large-sized church. I want to say the sanctuary held for the adults maybe like 3,500 bodies, maybe, maybe a few more. Uh, the kids' super church held about 300, um, and we met together as all the kids, all the all the young, I would say probably K through 6, met, um, and then we'd break off into smaller groups after that. And I remember hearing about it at some point in time attending that church where it was like, do what you say and say what you do. Basically have your words in alignment with your values, your virtues. If there is something that you are telling someone else not to do, and then you go and do it, that is being a hypocrite. 
um, I want to say the, the lesson of, I think it was Nicodemus. Um, I think it was Nicodemus because there was a song tied to it. I learned a lot of my, my faith-based learnings or values and virtues through music. Um, they had Sunday school lessons and then they'd have, you know, a tying in song and whatnot. And I learned best through music storytelling. So there, I remember it was like, uh, oh, it was Zacchaeus, not Nicodemus, Zacchaeus, excuse me. He's like, Zacchaeus climbed the sycamore tree. Well, it was when Jesus was in town and uh, Jesus was performing miracles all around and word started spreading, right? Because anywhere he went, the blind were being able to see, uh, the lame that were not able to walk were able to walk. Um, he rose people from the dead. And so all kinds of miracles were happening around him. And so Zacchaeus was this tax collector. And uh, the tax collectors back then, similar to nowadays, um, not so much appreciated in society um, because many of them were taking extra. They were taking more than what they should have been taking for people to live in the area that they were living in. And they were being hypocrites when it came to the law because they were stealing from people, essentially. And uh, Zacchaeus was one of those people that was not well-liked. He was a very short man, and so in the song, he was climbing up the tree because he wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus actually saw him in the tree and said, I'm coming to your house today. And what was really interesting was that and there was all of these people, all of these probably good-natured people that had good souls, good spirits, but he wanted to spend time with this hypocrite. This, this thief, why, why did he do that? And why did they feel that was important to share with us 2,000 plus years later and for me to be able to share with you listening to this show? Well, I believe that all of the stories of our history are true in the biblical format, but I also believe the emphasis on telling stories where he spent people spent time with people that were unlikely to be loved and appreciated from him. He spent time with a tax collector. He also spent time um, in a previous story with a woman that had many, many husbands and that was living with someone that was not her husband. Um, They called them back in the day harlots, uh, sluts, we might call them today, Uh, We might call them our best friends, whoever you spent time with. Um, And but in that in that day and time to do those kinds of acts in the society that they lived in were unheard of. And Jesus wanted to make an announcement to everyone that anybody can change their behavior. Anyone can can no longer be called a hypocrite, a thief, but you have to make a 180 degree change in what it is that you're doing that goes against what you're telling other people to do. I learned um, a lesson about thievery and being honest, uh, which is similar. It's in the, I would say it's in the ballpark category of honesty um, because you don't want to steal from others, right? You want to be true to yourself and true to others. Uh, When I was 10 years old, there was this gaming facility inside a mall. And you might remember this if you grew up or if you had kids um, back in the day, maybe like 20-ish years ago and 25, I should say 25, 26 years ago. My dad and I didn't get a lot of time together, just the two of us, because family of five and he was the single income earner. Uh, But I do remember this time with dad. We went and we played video games and we played different kinds of arcade games at this facility. And there was tickets that would come out of the machine if you 
played the game, you got some tickets. If you played well, you got more tickets. If you played really well, you got a bunch of tickets that would spew out of the thing. And then you could go to the little store and you could buy, you know, trinkets and jewelry or stuffed animals, you know, things that it was, it was teaching young kids kind of about shopping. Like if you, you know, performance based, if you do a good job, you'll be able to spend more money, right? Um, teaching a little bit about commerce. Well, I was very intelligent and I still am, but I was intelligent in, uh, needing some boundary lessons on being honest. So I said, dad, check this out. If you pull it really slowly, you can get extra tickets to come out. And he looked at me and he said, go take those tickets, bring them, bring them to the the person and tell them what you did. And I was like, what do you mean? He says, those are not your tickets. You did not earn those tickets. He was teaching me a lesson on stealing. He told me once. He said it firmly. That's all he needed to say. He didn't need to spank me or ground me or anything because I never did anything wrong. But I didn't understand the lesson until he set the boundary. And that is what authority is supposed to do. Set boundaries for you. Help teach you lessons so that you don't continue making the same mistake or make a grander mistake as you get older, right? Um, Now, he had that lesson down pat because uh, the first go around with one of his other children got caught stealing with a friend in a grocery store got caught by like the business owner or the grocery manager or whatnot and um, had to pay a fine like a hundred dollars for like a three dollar item or something like that and that was a few years before so he had that already in his knowledge bank and he said I'm going to do something different this time around with my younger child I am going to teach her at a young age even if it's as simple as two little tickets out of this machine that probably didn't cost the business much, but I'm going to teach her a lesson. I'm going to set the boundary so that hopefully she learns from it. And boy, did I, because I was afraid of my father. (laughs) Uh, He never beat me or anything like that, but a healthy fear of your parents is good, especially if they are good citizens because their job is to teach their children how to live in this world, how to be better than they are, right, as adults. And so I reluctantly go to the little glass counter with all the trinkets, and I say, excuse me, sir, here are your tickets. Um, I pulled them out of the machine. And he looked at me, and he looked at my dad, and he's like, what is going on? He's like, oh, it's okay, it's not a big deal. And I was like, I looked at my dad, like, Dad, well, he said it's not a big deal. He says, I'm teaching my daughter how to be honest. He's like, oh, well, thank you for this. He's like, what's the punishment? Well, um, since she turned it in, there is no punishment. Okay, great. Uh, So that taught me that if you're honest first and you confess (laughs) first before they punish you, then uh, it's better. It's, It's less severe. It's similar to if you do go through the court system and they say guilty not guilty well if you admit that you did if you actually did something wrong if you admit that you did something wrong you are honestly apologetic about the situation and you're going to make you know a 180 change and you're not going to do that behavior anymore they will give you a less severe punishment compared to if you're still in denial and you're not admitting that you did anything wrong they have to give you a more severe punishment because you're not recognizing that you're ready to change your behavior. So they might give you a longer sentence or maybe you have more community service you have to do and things like that. So a part of being a hypocrite or not being a hypocrite, I should say, is having the value of honesty instilled within yourself, which is extremely important. And you can teach honesty, as I just explained in that example of my father. You can teach honesty and you can also teach dishonesty by the way you lead your family, by the way you lead in your job. Um, And if you're in politics, by the way you lead your region, 
your country, uh, things of that nature. If you are stealing or being dishonest towards the less fortunate and you are in a place of power, you are being a hypocrite because you are speaking out of your mouth how we need to work together as a nation or how we need to work together in our city, in our state. But then you're stealing from the hardworking people. They don't go together. It doesn't mix well. And that's why a lot of people get so emotionally charged when it comes to speaking about politics. Because unfortunately, there's a lot of people that have done bad things in the past, have not been honest, or have been speaking so confidently in their... um, I want to say race in their political game, you know, they're, they're doing their run and they're doing their marketing. They're trying to get people to vote for them and they'll say whatever to get your vote. Right. Well, and then they, maybe they realize once they get into that political power, if they weren't there before all of the checks and balances that are required or all of the people that are required to sign off, or maybe they actually don't have the power to change that, or things have shifted, focuses have shifted, maybe, you know, some catastrophe has happened in the world and you have to regain your focus and whatnot, and so then you lose the respect of the people because you initially said these things and they've got it on recording, and then the opposing political side is playing bits and pieces of your videos to negatively talk, you know, talk trash about you, essentially, um, that's why a lot of people get emotionally charged about it. I can't stand the political ads. I really can't. And it is our right to vote in the United States of America. But unfortunately, I've been working so hard and I've had to move so many times since my divorce finalized in 2016 because of financial reasons, mostly, um, and just just struggling that um, I haven't really had a chance to vote. I did register to vote recently, but they would not allow me to, even though two years ago, and I have a case that's ongoing um, with someone that tried to put a hit on my life that has a PhD in ministry, that has a lot of money, has access to money and political power. Um, I put my paid address that keeps my physical home address private. This is a legal organization that everyone is allowed to use as their physical address. Businesses that work from home use it to protect their family, to protect their privacy, but for whatever reason, they would not allow me to use that address when I registered to vote. Um, I was able to get my uh, registration, my vehicle updated. I was able to get my driver's license. I was able to get my bank um, added on there, but for whatever reason, they wouldn't allow me to vote and keep my privacy and keep my security intact. So unfortunately, I will not get to vote this time around. I did not get to vote uh, a few days ago when we had our thing going on. And that's okay because there are millions of people that will be voting. Um, I respect that I am able to do it uh, because women only like 102 years ago, I believe, in 1920, were we allowed to vote? So we've come a long way. Uh, we still got a lot of ways to go with it. Um, but try your best to not be a hypocrite if you are in politics. Try your best. Um, it's really difficult, though. What I'm learning, too, with cyber warfare is that there's this app that I saw... I was watching a TikTok video, this was a few months ago, and I saw one of the influencers showing how you can have this app, that you, you have a free trial and then you pay whatever membership, and if you say something wrong on video, you go in, you type in the word that you actually wanted to say, it will change the shape of your mouth and the sound of the words. That's scary. That sounds like it's cool for a marketing video for a business if you maybe have a stuttering problem or something like that. But imagine if someone hacked into your account, then started retyping all of the things that you said and changed your video and you didn't know. And then you release that video because you're working a full-time job like many people are and trying to start your side hustle and your competitor decides to 
not only steal your customers from you, but actually try to ruin your reputation from you doing it. It looks like you're doing it. That's what cyber warfare is looking like right now. I've had it, I've experienced it multiple times and I've noticed it in the last two years, especially. For example, I had shared specifically how many people were in this ranking for the podcast show back back, uh, before they had the new uh, results worldwide. I was using just the iTunes statistics. Someone literally changed what I said on the video. Probably works or is in cahoots with iTunes and Apple. I don't know. Um, but I had to go in, watch the video. It takes more time, time away from me doing anything else, right? Um, you shouldn't have to edit your own video if you know what you said. But that's what cyber warfare is doing. So I had enough of it. I had enough of people copying, stealing my stuff, stealing people's contacts from out of my phone uh, for two years. And finally, the creator was like, no, you're going to you're going to be on pause right now because the person that got you protection is the same person that took the payment from the woman with the Ph.D. in ministry. And it has been ongoing for two years He got 850 acres, and he has been ongoing getting my information and sending it her direction. So the creator said, stop. No one's going to steal from my child anymore. So when the hypocrite that was in my circle the Judas in my circle that sold me out for 850 acres. When he apologizes in front of our top-level leadership to my husband and I because he forced us to be separated this year, when he apologizes, we're going to move forward. We're going to shake hands. We're going to hug it out uh, because I know how to forgive people and I also know how to keep people accountable. And if he never does it, and if I disappear and you no longer hear from me anymore, you know why. Top-level government contractor that should not be funded anymore from our government has been stealing. They probably lost funding, but these are people that have been trained to break all kinds of laws and never be held accountable for their actions because they were doing it, quote-unquote, for our country's protection. No, that is political power players using their power to take advantage of the less fortunate. And the creator has has had enough, as have I. You can't take any of this when you go. You can't take your fancy cars. You can't take your multiple homes and your vacation home in Maui. You don't get to take any of it when you go. So why not leave a legacy that you're proud of? Why not leave a legacy where you're encouraging young people? Maybe you have children. Maybe you're a grandparent or a great-grandparent. And they want to know their family history. Why not leave a mark that is so incredible that your grandchildren will be proud to keep your name and to tell everyone their family history. It reminds me, a few years ago um, when my father was alive, I was really interested in learning my mom's side of the family because she was very closed for a very long time. And as soon as I started speaking about it, I wanted to learn more about um, her side of the family. My dad chimed in and he invited his cousin over to the house and another family member, I think it was a second cousin. And he actually is the historian of my father's side of the family, the rice side of the family. And 
it was really neat. I was frustrated at my dad because I felt like he kind of took over the show and I asked my mom to share, but he was actually protecting my mom from emotional stress and strain because she had a lot of heartache um, on her side of the family growing up. And so uh, I get to talk with my dad's cousin who's really into scuba diving and whatnot. And he has spent a lot of time, a lot of research. He would go up to... Uh, the every state has like an, a, a library where they keep all of the death records. I know it sounds kind of morbid, but every I believe it's 80 years, your death record becomes public information and then it's free to access it. So um, every few years he would go and check. I believe it was in Seattle, Washington, which is not the capital of Washington, but everybody knows Seattle because Seahawks and all that and so he goes to get the death records and he's writing it all out and he's got this this big old timeline of our family history and I thought it was the neatest thing because when you know where you come from And when you come from a line of people that are inventors, that are authors, that are, you know, plug in whatever cool, cool um, industry you think would be interesting or you'd be proud of to know that that was in your family line. When you know where you come from, you have more confidence in your own identity. And some people don't know their family history at all because maybe they were abandoned as a child, maybe they were adopted and it was a closed case and they don't know anything about their family history. Um, you know, not to mention like medical knowledge that they wouldn't have access to, or, uh, maybe they grew up in a very poor neighborhood and their dad is in prison and their mom is working all the time. And so they don't get a lot of conversations with their family because they're just struggling in life those moments, those small amount of conversations are really important if you're able to find out that information. So I encourage you, if you want to know your family history or if you want to pass that legacy on to your children or your children's children, um, find out which library in your state, um, if you live in the United States, holds all of the death records and get to research it. He spent many, many hours doing this, and I'm so grateful he did because I found out in our family line, um, Eli Whitney, who invented the cotton gin, is in my family line. So we have inventors in my family line, which is really neat. Um, There also is a, well, he was alive when I was alive. Um, He passed away a few years ago. My grandmother's brother was a professor. He was the head of the statistics and mathematics department at the school that I got my graduate degree from, uh, Oregon State University. I actually met one of his colleagues one day, randomly. I was covering in the pool for my mentor teacher, Rochelle. She needed some coverage, and so I, you know, strapped on the lifeguard pad thing, and then um, he was doing lap swimming. And he and I started talking, and I, I said, how long have you worked here? And he said, oh, like 50 years or something, like real crazy long amount of time. I said, oh, well, you might know my great uncle then. And he said, what's his name? And I said, last name, Ancelone. And he was like, well, yeah, I knew him. He was the head of the department. And I said, wow. So my, my great uncle actually wrote mathematics textbooks, extremely genius person. Um, I did not get the mathematics gene, although I did teach middle school math my first year um, after getting my bachelor's degree in health and fitness because it was (laughs) an emergency situation. We do what we can. We figure it out. We can be resourceful even if we don't have the knowledge bank. Um, I believe I got some genetic skills or maybe uh, just the hard work ethic passed down from that side of the family to create and write curriculum. Um, So he wrote textbooks and curriculum and all kinds of things for a different subject area, which I thought was really neat. Um, And I want to say, going back a few generations, that uh, King David 
which is like King David of the Old Testament was in my family line. But I, I want to double check with him before uh, giving that officially out. I just remember how impactful that sit down was as a family and to look visually at our family line because he spent all of these hours researching our family history and he was waiting for someone in the younger generation of our family to be interested in it. You can do that as well in your family and I promise you that will help decrease hypocrisy if you know your identity and if you are proud of your history it will make you work harder to keep that that line going. And if you're not proud, maybe you had someone in your family history that made some mistakes. Well, guess what? You can learn from them too. You can learn how not to act and behave to move forward in life uh, doing like a complete 180 from, from the behavior that you learned from them. I learned a lot from my oldest sibling of how not to live in this world. He's done some great, incredible things, um, but he also made a lot of mistakes. And as a younger sibling, we can learn vicariously through our older siblings, um, through through their experiences and whatnot. So hypocrisy can come in all shapes and forms. No one is perfect by any means. And the nice thing about learning and life and all kinds of things is that we can change in a moment. You can literally change your behavior overnight, in a minute, in a second. You can decide to not do that thing anymore that doesn't bring you joy. You can walk in honesty, you can walk in harmony, you can walk in love, or you can walk in hatred, thievery, violence, and always be looking over your shoulder. Because when you do things like that, you don't trust anybody because you don't even trust yourself. And that's why I'm really proud of my husband, because he had an incredible past He had his own, he called it Saul to Paul moment. And if you're not familiar with that biblical term, um, Saul was someone that um, killed a bunch of Christians in our history. He was, I want to say, a Roman soldier. And he had this, this day where he was riding on this animal and the creator actually shined the light so bright on him he lost his vision for three days and then he believed in the creator then he stopped killing all the Christians and actually became one of the greatest ambassadors for Christ you can change in a moment even if you have been stealing from me and my family you can just stop That's the powerful thing about being a human being is that we are not trees. We do not have roots in the ground. We can get up and move and change our behavior, change our address, change our boyfriends, husbands, wives, spouses, girlfriends, whatever. You can change just about everything. Now, it is more challenging for people that have lower income to make those changes because they might not be able to afford to move away. Um, But I promise you, if you make a decision, if you pray on it or you meditate on it, whatever you do to have that quiet time to, to ask your deity, your creator, your entity that is greater than yourself, how can I get out of these circumstances? Please show me a way. I don't want to act this way anymore. I don't want to be in this address anymore. I promise you doors will be opened for you. One of my friends, dear friends from high school, we were in this elite music group together called The Music Company with director Mr. Krauss. Um, He did some incredible things in the last few years and has been able to live in a variety of 
countries and I believe um, in the United States now. But what he would do is like a work exchange program because he wanted to travel. He desired, he had this this need, this 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 craving for adventure, um, but he lacked the financial resources. And so he started to look into how to help people take care of their land in exchange for um, boarding, so housing, and for food. And so they didn't pay a lot initially, um, some of these offers. It was just to, you know, help them take care of their land and, and whatnot. Um, and that's something incredible, too, because even if you don't have money to travel, maybe someone will pay your way if you're willing to work their land. And that's an incredible skill to learn to farm or to learn to till the soil or to learn all these kinds of things, right? You get to work with other people's equipment, other people's products, and you get to help them keep their livelihood intact. You can change anything you desire to change. But keep in mind that if you've been acting and behaving in a certain way, for a certain amount of time that you're probably going to have relapse. You might have this day of disgust where you're like, yeah, I'm never going to do this again. And then you start doing the opposite for a while. Keep in mind, um, if you've ever heard of the Trans Theoretical Change Theory or TTM, there are five different, in the theory, there are five different stages of behavior change. They initially created this to help with smoking cessation and they've translated it to exercise habits to diet habits to stress and sleep habits they've they've used it in research pretty much in every domain i imagine if you're trying to change your behavior from stealing to not stealing anymore that it would probably help you as well or whatever it is the behavior that you desire to get rid of remove or to add if it's a good behavior so um, the first stage is pre-contemplation so that means you're before you're even thinking about it. So those are people that if you bring it to their attention, they're like, no, it's not a problem. No, I don't care. Nah, I'm not going to die from smoking. It's fine. I know somebody that lived to be 120. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. So those are pre-contemplators. Not ready to change their behavior. Contemplators, they're thinking about it. They are aware that it is a problem or they are aware they desire to add a good behavior into their life, whatever it might be, if it's like they want to exercise more or they want to stop smoking, for example. Uh, they're thinking about it, but they haven't done any action towards it yet. They're getting ready. Okay. Uh, the preparation stage, they're preparing. So they're dipping their toes in the pool, so to speak. Like they want to like maybe start swimming as their exercise. They're dipping their toes in, right? They're getting ready. They're starting to make behavioral change patterns, but there's a lot of relapse. A lot of relapse. Um, um, action stage is when you've been successfully performing that new behavior or you've successfully removed an unwanted behavior for at least six months. Keep in mind that all four of these stages, um, well, I guess just the, th the three, the pre-contemplation doesn't count. So contemplation, uh, preparation, and action stage, those three stages um, are the highest amount for relapse. So with that in mind, be kind to yourself if you're relapsing. What is often felt in people that are high achievers, they're driven, but they're trying to change this behavior and they mess up is like, oh, I'm such a failure. I'm so dumb. Like, don't think those thoughts. Like, don't waste your energy thinking those thoughts. Recognize that relapse is common and plan a way around it okay so plan before you even start to change your behavior when I hit these roadblocks what are what's my plan b c d e f okay so if you plan to run outside for example and the morning comes and it's pouring down rain and you don't run in the rain what's your plan b excuse me maybe you do some jumping jacks in the house or maybe you have a gym membership, or uh, maybe you have a jump rope, and you're going to go into the garage and do some an alternative cardio, right? Or run some sprints in your garage, whatever it is. 
have your plans in place if your initial plan doesn't go through. The final stage, um, if you are trying to remove a behavior completely, is called termination. That's when you have successfully removed the behavior for five years or longer. And that is the least likely chance that you will have any relapse after five years. And it's really easy to connect the dots for me on on that one because um, they also did that similarly with uh, my father when he had kidney cancer. When he was in his remission, he had every six months he had a checkup. They made sure his cancer count had not come back. And by the five-year mark, they said, you're in full remission. Chances are you're not going to have any issues. And he actually was cancer-free for 19 years. It came back um, my 30th, right around my 30th birthday. And we thought that they got it fully because that's what the research, that that was the state-of-the-art research at the time, uh, or I should say state-of-the-art that they had covered through their insurance, through his job. Um, But he also had a very hard career that he worked 12 to sometimes 14 hour days very hard on the body a couple of knee replacements didn't get a whole lot of sleep um, had an environment where he was around treats often in the workplace and he got maybe five hours of sleep every night or four And what's recommended for healthy amounts of sleep in the United States, at least, from our um, sleep doctors, from I had some training when I worked with our U.S. Army active duty soldiers, retired veterans, and their spouses. And we had one of the top sleep doctors come and train us because they wanted us to be trained by the best so that we could train their soldiers. And he said seven to eight hours is what is recommended. We are changing how we operate in the military because we have found that there is a lot higher suicide rate for lack of sleep compared to trauma from war-related incidents. They were serious about it because as they find out information and research, then they disseminate it to the military. They test it out, and then... They get trends, they get that information, they get the white paper research, and then they start bringing that to the public. So I'm grateful that I had that training experience when I worked at uh, Fort Lewis, and it's now Joint Base Lewis-McChord. I was able to share that information with my father uh, a couple years before he passed. But at that point, he had been having a lack of sleep for so many years. You can't get back your lost sleep. You might think, oh, I'll just catch up on the weekend. Unfortunately, you cannot catch up on lost sleep. Once it's gone, it's gone forever. But what you can do is if you desire to add more sleep into your routine is to maybe try and add 10 minutes each night, just 10 more minutes, and try that for a week and add 10 more minutes the next week. And eventually, you will start having better sleep deeper sleep, longer sleep, where your body can actually replace, rejuvenate cells, your hormones get in balance. There's two two hormones, ghrelin and leptin, that get out of whack when you don't get a lot of sleep, which throws your hunger pains off and throws your feelings of fullness off so that you want to eat more and you never feel satisfied or full if you don't get your much-needed sleep. There are so many factors in our psyche, in our brain and our health that are impacted from a lack of sleep and had he had more sleep he might have not had the cancer come back no one really knows Um, I believe it was a compilation of a variety of factors and level of stress and all those kinds of things and his personality and his um, like me um, he never spoke out loud about having a diagnosis but one can tell if you have it you can tell when someone else has depression. And so I believe that that also played a factor into it. 
as well. A lot of what we manifest within our body is what we think about. And I really encourage you, if you are feeling like this episode is for you or for someone that you know about as far as um, hypocrisy, being a hypocrite, and you're desiring to change your behavior, or maybe you're desiring for this other person to change their behavior, and you're like, how? what's a good way for me to send this episode to them? Send it to someone else and have that person send it to them. What do you think about this? <laughs> and ask for their general feedback. Um, if it's for you, maybe you write down three areas of your life that you've noticed three or more, I'm just, you know, this is a simple exercise, that you've noticed that you are a little bit hypocritical. Maybe you're telling your kids to spend more time doing their homework and not be playing video games or not be on their smartphone, but here you are on your smartphone not spending time with them and you're scrolling and shopping for some holiday items or whatever. Uh, whatever it is that you feel in your heart and your gut that you need to change, that you are not satisfied with within yourself, maybe jot those, th those three things down and then ask yourself on the spectrum of the five stages of TTM, where am I at with this stage for this behavior? Am I a pre-contemplator? Well, obviously, if you wrote it down, you're not a pre-contemplator. You're either a contemplator, you're preparing, you're in your action stage if you've been working on changing this behavior uh, maybe it's maintenance if you've been doing it for a while, but you're still every now and then you're struggling um, or termination if you're trying to get rid of the behavior. Where are you at? Identify that. Identify the three. Identify the stage. And then your next steps. What are you willing and wanting to do? How much time do you have realistically to devote to changing this behavior? And what's your desired outcome date where you, you're feeling like, okay, this is fixed? And I'd strongly recommend if you are feeling like you make a lot of decisions every day, you're feeling like maybe you have de decision fatigue, is to put a big star for one of those three. Just pick one. That could be your focus. And then when you've got that behavior changed, where you feel like, all right, I'm no longer a hypocrite in this area because now I'm consistently setting healthy time boundaries on the smart device or I'm exercising regularly, it's a part of my lifestyle now, whatever it is for you, then you can go back to those other two and do the process again. Sometimes when I do these impromptu, I want to say sermon, because it's really, I don't believe it's a sermon, but however you want to identify it, it's an episode on the podcast. Uh, sometimes I get verses that get sent to me through the Creator, just like a little nudge in my heart, I need you to check out this verse. So I just had that notion. Um, I don't have any verses well, I have maybe like a few memorized from childhood, but I really struggled with cognition and um, being chronically abused from age three to five. There was uh, back in the day they used to say it was permanent brain damage that I would always struggle in my learning. I was in remedial reading and I have a attention disorder. I know like no one's diagnosed me with it. I just know that if there's like a bunch of extraneous noise and I have to do like math, I can't, I can't successfully do it because I hear all of the conversations and I can't concentrate on what I'm doing. Uh, but what I can say is the Creator can heal us. The Creator can use us even in our struggles if we allow the Creator to move through us. And so I've been taking a lot more quiet time, which some people might say is wasted time, but to me, it's so much more valuable than being busy doing nothing. And so the Creator gave me this verse, and I hope that this encourages you. Whatever your faith system is, maybe there's, maybe there's a scripture or there's a phrase um, from your belief system. I would love it if you would share it in the comments. This is from mine. This is Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength.
So no matter what you're struggling with in your hypocrisy or whatever person you're dealing with that you're struggling with, we really encourage you at Move Happy and our nonprofit arm, Erin Nicole Ministries, for our veterans and first responders. We really encourage you that you can do everything through him who gives you strength. But you have to ask for help. You have to speak it aloud. And you have to start taking action. Because faith without action is not good. If you believe it within yourself, start moving in the direction and demonstrate to the creator above that you know he's got your back. And I say he in general, he, she, they, the creator I believe is above all gender. All right, thank you so much for listening to today's episode on hypocrisy. And we do encourage you, if you did like the show, if we added any value to you today, it would mean the world if you would tell someone about the show. Maybe share a link. Maybe um, screenshot a certain part that most stood out to you. Jot a couple sentences and post it on social media. Uh, We are not posting anything on social until the creator tells us to come back online if the creator desires for us to. Um, Except for our automated AI that's the Twitter thing. I don't know how that works, but that one's an automatic one. Um, Other than that, uh, we are not sharing anything on social media. So if you desire to do that, that would mean the world to us. And that just lets us know that you're listening to the show, even though we're um, on hiatus right now, or I should say we're on a a deep pause of the brand, reflecting on who in our circle deserves to stay in the circle. All right, Uh, if you desire to help with our nonprofit, um, hold on to your money for now. Uh, We are not able to receive any uh, financial donations at this time. Um, Once we get another bank account opened, we might change that, but for now, we just desire for you to bring more love in the world and your community, wherever you're at, wherever you're listening to this from. And we can do a lot even without financial resources. And I believe that's what the creator is trying to teach me and remind me of. All right. Thank you guys so much. Don't forget to tell someone you love them today. And we'll see you next time.